When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And folks, we are breaking massive, massive news on this Monday episode, everybody. I hope you're sitting down because this is maybe the biggest bit of news that we have broken on Straight Up Sabres to date. Our dear, sweet boy, Taylor, is engaged. Congratulations, Taylor. How does it feel? It feels great. Probably a long time coming. Brendan knows this. Maybe listeners may not. A whole decade, in fact. Uh, but, you know, it's it's a kind of thing where you're like, you think about it so much, uh, and you're nervous about it, you think about exactly how it should go down and all that, and then all of a sudden it happens, and it just happens. And it's like, oh, I'm engaged now. But now there's a whole thing to plan. How psyched <laughs> um, are you about that? <laughs> oh, very excited. Uh, but, Brendan, speaking of someone who waited for a ring for a long time, the Buffalo Sabres... <laughs> Unfortunately, they news. did not have good news over this weekend. No, not not good news at all, Taylor. That would be in the form of a, a pair of injury notes that we had gotten over this wonderful all-star break. Just great. Adding on to what has already been just a disaster of a season, we ended up finding out that not only has Jack Quinn had surgery that is going to keep him out for six to eight weeks, but we have also learned that Matias Samuelson is now done for the season. Taylor, obviously this is not great. Samuelson wasn't having the best of seasons so far this year. Really seemed he had taken a step back uh, compared to how good he was last year, which as we know has been a case for a lot of the guys on the roster. But disappointing nonetheless, losing Samuelson, a guy who has been a fixture, a consistent presence in your top four for these past two seasons here. And now it just makes things even more difficult. So, very unfortunate pair of injuries, as we just mentioned there, Taylor. What are your thoughts on both of these and how the Sabres are to operate moving forward without Quinn for six to eight weeks and Samuelson for the year? Yeah, well, it's it's definitely a concern. I mean, and it, now it's a track record for Samuelson. So he's going to finish the season having played 41 games. He played 55 last year, and I think one of the big concerns, and if you want to go back further, by the way, it was 64 games between the AHL and NHL the year before and 35 the year before that. If you want to go back and look at all that, and, and already that looks bad. He hasn't played anything close to an 82-game season. But what looks extra bad is if you take an even closer look and realize these are different injuries all the time. Um, maybe, some, maybe some of them are nagging injuries, but it just he's playing for 10 games, getting hurt and missing three, 
you know, that kind of stretch. Like it just keeps happening. And that's unfortunate. Some guys, that's how it is. And I don't think a lot of guys like that tend to have long careers. So it's very unfortunate. One of the worst things about the injury and it, it being a year long injury, it doesn't give him a chance to turn around before the season ends. It doesn't give him a chance to kind of change the narrative or finish the season strong or anything. It's just going to end up being a very disappointing season. And that leaves the Sabres with kind of, uh, it puts him in a weird position in the off season. He signed for six more years, I believe, Brendan, or maybe five more years, five more. Yeah. Five more years after this, he's, he's on a long-term contract, not a very expensive one, mind you, but still five years is five years. And he hasn't really proven that he's worth even the kind of average salary that he gets. I think he was good last year. I think a lot of fans overrated their win-loss record with him out of the lineup. I think, I guess it turns out that's kind of randomness because this year they've been much better with him out of the lineup. I think that's random too. I think they are probably better off when they're fully healthy and he's one of their six best defensemen, but there's no doubt about it. He took a pretty big step back this year. And I think it leaves the Sabres in an awkward position because if Kevin Adams is serious about getting better, TBD on that, he has to look at this uh, roster going forward, looking into the next few years and say, wouldn't maybe potentially be better off if we didn't have the Samuelson contract anymore, if, if someone else was interested in that. And I think it would have helped a lot if Samuelson had finished the season in one piece. And I think now, you know, these other teams, maybe, yeah, maybe they still like him despite his kind of strangely not great play this season. Other GMs. Do you think the contract's untradeable? What's that? Do you think the contract is untradeable? Well, that's kind of what I'm saying. Some of these other GMs might have hockey DB and they can look at his games played per year every year and say, huh, that's not great. So I don't know if untradeable is the right word because it's not like it's a total disaster, but it's going to be it got much harder to trade in this particular offseason. It's not going to be an easy contract to trade. Absolutely. It's just it's a long contract for a depth piece. You don't see a lot of that. So I'm not sure if it's going to be easily movable. I'm not sure what the Sabres should do with that because now going into next year, they have him and Clifton under contract. Clifton, untradeable, 100%. You have to attach the first to it and send it to a struggling team, in my opinion. So I think it's a buyout candidate for sure. 100%, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I wanted to move on to the other guy. The Samuelson thing, just a big bummer. Do we want to talk about Jack Quinn real quick? Yeah, for sure. That's an even bigger bummer because he was awesome when he was playing. It, it was almost like he didn't miss any time at all. He stepped in and was really good right away. Like you've mentioned before, a really good 200-foot guy, but a guy that was scoring, getting assists. He looked like he played every level. Like it, it's, it was incredibly disappointing to see him play like less than 20 games this year. Mm-hmm. It sucks because uh, looking at this now, so it was announced on Thursday that it's a six- to eight-week injury. So just getting the calendar out, that was February 1st. For that to be a six-week injury, he would be back March 22nd. If it's an eight-week injury, it's more like February 4th. Or sorry, a- April 4th. There will not be very much time left in the season at that point. Mm. Not at all, in fact. And that, that would get to a point where it's like he'd almost play as many games as he did two years ago, you know, when he was getting like a look at the end of the season as a very, very young guy. Uh, this is not a... Uh, it's not a situation where he's going to be able to come back and get really any kind of good long playing streak together. This is it. He basically, this season's almost a wash for him. And that's unfortunate because I think Quinn was the kind of guy who was building toward being a superstar. Well, maybe not a superstar, but a star player. Yeah. A genuine top line guy. And this season was basically taken from him because of freak accident with the Achilles. And then we don't know a lower body, lower, lower body injury. Uh, just so just look this up real quick. If, if the eight week thing holds, 
for example, if he misses exactly eight weeks, he will only be able to play six games to end the season. So that's oh, that's God. really tough. I see. I mean, I think best case scenario, you might be looking at like twelve to fifteen if he heals really quick. But that really sucks, and I'm not too worried long term. But it's just a waste of a season for this guy, and you don't get that many seasons in the NHL. So it's really unfortunate, and uh, it's it's awful. God, I mean, these two fellas, lower body injury, upper body injury, is, is no part of your body safe in the, the fast paced National Hockey League? I, I guess not. I mean. The way you describe it there and really where the timetable is for his return, I think, puts it in perspective. For this to to mean anything, or for him to get any meaningful games, it's going to have to be that they're in a playoff race, doing the unthinkable and jumping back in now without somebody who's a fixture in their top 4D as well as somebody who's a fixture in the top six forward group. So highly unlikely that going by that six to eight week timeline if he does end up coming back and there is anywhere from like six to 10 games left, I mean, at that point, you probably just think about shutting him down for the year. Like if you're way out of it, I don't think that there's any sense in bringing him back. If there's something to be concerned about health wise there in terms of rushing him back, I should say, like we learned this week also that it wasn't any damage to, there wasn't any damage to his ACL or to his Achilles again, thankfully. So that's at least the good news that comes from this, if there is yeah. any. In fact, it's not his knee at all. Right. And so for me, I mean, granted, it helps that it's not his knee, but at the same time, if we're only talking about six, seven games that he's going to be able to make it back for at the end of the year, I understand getting back onto the ice and having the momentum to go into the offseason, having played a few games. But at the same time, if it's meaningless games, there's, you know, you're way out of it. You're guaranteed to have a, a top 10 pick. Like you're picking ninth overall or something like that. Oh, again. Yeah. Right. Well, I don't know if it's really worth it to even consider bringing him back, like letting him come back and play, just shut him down for the year, just to further avoid risk of re-injuring. Then you give him a full off season to be able to just get his strength up to not have to worry about playing at game speed necessarily, but just work his, working on his his fitness and his health. And again, just getting stronger and come back ready for training camp next year, fully healthy, not anything lingering, anything like that. You are just full on ready to go in a year that is going to be, I, I'm probably putting it lightly to say that jobs will be on the line if they aren't coming out of the gates firing next year, assuming they end up missing this year. Yeah, I mean, jobs should be on the line earlier, but what are you going to do? They should that? be right now. This, whether you bring him back, actually, or not, will really depend where in this uh, six- to eight-week radius he falls, because I think it would be kind of – if it's like, oh, five games, play him or not, see if he's ready, and he's like kind of, eh. Yeah, they just set him. But I guess there is a scenario here where he's fully healthy with like 12 to 15 games left. Right. And I guess in that case, you would just have to play him. Uh, which I'd, I'd prefer. I'd like to see him, you know, know he's healthy and all that and finish the season strong. But uh, Oh, yeah. I'm just yeah. saying to err on the side of caution, really. Like, I, if it is the eight-week timeline, I, I just don't know if it's really worth it to. If it's six weeks, yeah. And like you said, there's like 12 to 15 games that he can get in or something down the stretch. Then, of course, it's a no-brainer. But if we're talking five or six, I mean, is it really worth – the risk of something going sideways or a freak accident or something like that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Ah, um, it's just, it sucks. It really sucks 
That being said, though, I did want to just throw at you the lines that the Sabres skated with on Sunday's practice just to get your oh, thoughts. No it, it's not. Yeah, I, I don't think you're going to want to. I kind of <laughs> have to do this against your will because this is not. Oh, it's not great, Taylor. All right. Well, the lines are as follows. Thompson centering Skinner and Opozo. Cousins centering Benson and Paterka, Middlestat centering Greenway and Tuck and Krebs centering Robinson. And on the other wing, Olofsson and Gergensons were rotating in. On defense, you had Darlene on the left with Yoki Haru on the right. Power playing with Jacob Bryson. And then Connor Clifton and Ryan Johnson on the third pair. Eric Johnson was rotating in, but he, as we know, is on IR right now. Mm. Not great, yeah. Taylor. Not great. I... I got to be honest, I don't get Oposo on the first line. I like, I mean, I don't think he's been not playing at terrible all. or anything. He has his role, but he's not a first liner. He's too slow to be on that line. I mean, maybe with moving away from Tuck, they're trying to move away from speed. I don't get that at all. Is this not like also the perfect time? We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Is this not the perfect opportunity to move Krebs up the lineup? It sure is. I mean, figure out what you got or don't. Otherwise, just. Get and it's not him. even like he's been playing poorly lately either, where it's you're you're yeah. relegating him to the fourth line. I think in his minutes prior to the break in the you know the turn of the calendar to 2024, I thought that he had some good stretches there. Yeah, no, oh, that's true, absolutely. But I don't know. It's it's I think like, what are Krebs... you gaining out of putting a pozo up there? Nothing. It's not gonna work. I don't know. I'd be shocked if that worked. I also just am a little I don't know, a little tiny disappointed in Jordan Greenway this year. After the strong start? Yeah, after the strong start, it seems like, well, he's going to be a solid middle six guy, maybe bottom six guy, but power forward type and can play great on the penalty kill, but not really. He's just been kind of a guy yeah. for months now. Uh, I don't know. It's Eric Robinson, not impossible. He meets his game threshold that the Sabres have to give up a seventh round pick. Darn. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, that's crazy. Also, you know. Surprising, though, nonetheless. Yeah, Gergensen's played well after injury. I don't know why he'd be rotating out. Like, maybe because Olsen has to practice. Yeah. I, I understand that that's the case. I don't know. I, he's the person I just don't. I don't see Olsen playing at all. But uh, do we want to hear a word from our sponsor real quick? Yes, very much. Folks, you looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. And we mentioned on the most recent podcast that the spread is 2 in favor of San Francisco. The over-under in this game, 47.5. Hmm. Super Bowl is always really hard, in my opinion, to track the, the over-under. It's, it's tough because this is going to sound really stupid, but in most Super Bowls, both teams have a great offense and great defense. I sound like a like someone on an NFL Network show right now. <laughs> if you want to make the Super Bowl, you got to have a great offense and a great defense. But they mostly do. So I think a lot of the time it's like, well, who's going to come out on top? And you have examples like last Super Bowl, where it was I think the final was 35-31 in favor of Kansas City or something like that, 34-31 or something like that. It mm -hmm. was over 60. And it's like, well, they both had good – Kansas City had a good defense. The Eagles had a great defense. Went over. Then you have – let's say two great offenses in the Super Bowl a few years ago, the Jared Goff Rams, who I think were second in the league in points, and then the Tom Brady Patriots, who, I don't know, they weren't first or second, but they were they score a lot, obviously. And that year, uh, the Super Bowl final was 13-3, to and boy, was it 3-3 to for a while. <laughs> it was really dear enough for us to have a 6-3 yeah. Super Bowl. 
So that hit way under, obviously. But, you know, like those were probably the two best defenses in the league. So you really never know. Anyway, regardless of how you feel about that, the only way to bet, you got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58. With code THPN, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. Connecticut help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com football for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And we're back. We're back, Taylor. So for the second half of the episode, we were talking before we started recording and wanted to really take a look back at the first half of the season, where we are today. It has been nothing short of eventful, mostly for the wrong reasons, but nonetheless, it has been very eventful. And so it got us looking back and reflecting on the season, what we thought initially coming into the season. As we know, you know, you go along throughout a season and some of your opinions change based on the things that we're seeing on the ice. And what my question for you is, Taylor, and the, the, the topic of the second half of the episode is, has there been anything this season that you have changed your mind about after watching the first half of the Sabre season? Um, yes. Give it to me. It's a big one. I don't know if Kevin Adams actually has a plan anymore. Go on. So I think coming into the season, in fact, let's back up a little bit. Kevin Adams getting hired at the time he did in 2020, a real low point for the Sabres franchise for a million reasons. You all remember why I'm sure it was just everything that was going down during COVID was terrible. It was discouraging. It, it made me think like, Wow, are we still going to have a team soon? Or what the hell is wrong with this ownership group? Just all the all the bad things we thought. And then they hire the guy who was like running the Junior Sabers or whatever the hell he was doing. He wasn't even running the Junior Sabers. Brendan, what the hell was he doing again? Was he running their youth hockey program? Exactly. I don't even remember. It definitely was way below the thing I said running Junior Sabers. It was below yeah. that. He was the director of the Academy of Hockey at Harbor Center. Okay, so that's yeah, like youth hockey. Yeah. He was, oh, you know what? He was the guy that when, the nacho machine was empty. He was filling it with cheese, which honestly, it's an important job, but I don't like that kind of nacho cheese, so I don't respect it. Anyway, Pagula was looking around like, I got to do the GM shirt search right now, but <laughs> all my businesses are losing money. And then he just looked at Kevin Adams and said, yeah, bingo, you're the GM. So everyone was like, God, this guy sucks. <laughs> I can't believe this is our life. And they have a kind of a weird offseason where they bring in Eric Stahl and Taylor Hall. And it's like, not a good offseason in hindsight, but it was a, a regular NHL offseason where you're trying to salvage, you know, one last gasp at this team. And then it was clear immediately. So anyway, so he starts, the, the rebuild starts in the middle of that 2021 season. They get, they well, they had no real tr- chance in the Taylor Hall trade. Like that was just, had him over a barrel, wasn't a good trade. I don't think that guy's all that great anyway. But then he gets like his first real off season, his first like, all right, I'm going to rebuild. Here's what I want to do. And the, the thing that kind of changed people's perceptions was the Ristolainen trade. And I was like, wow, first Ristolainen, first plus for Ristolainen. And then he makes the Reinhardt trade. I don't think people were thrilled with that right away, but you know, that was eventually ended up being another first Yuri Kulik and Levi. And then that next season, when we start to see how great Levi is at Northeastern, everyone starts getting really excited about that. 
like, oh, wow, he got he nailed this. And then the Eichel trade, which people didn't love at first also. I mean, there's a lot to the whole Eichel saga. So I'm going to yada yada that real quick. But they get Taku people really like. They get Krebs, who was way more exciting than they first got him. People really liked his draft picks. He started filling out the front office in a really interesting way. Like, he hired analytics guys. He hired scouting guys. People like he brought in Carmanos as an assistant GM. And all of a sudden, you have, like, semblance of a really good front office. And last year, by the beginning of last season, they're really exciting. And you go through that last season, they almost make the playoffs. And they would have without bad goaltending. By the way, he also hires Granato full-time. Look, look smart at one point. And you go through all that, and it's like, wow, this is exciting. The Sabres have a plan. They seem to, especially based on their drafts and uh, things like that, it seemed like it was obvious that they had a coherent vision for how they wanted things to run. And then they did not bother getting a goaltender two years ago. I mean, or any of these years, I guess, to be honest. I'll have to be more specific. Any of these years, they didn't bother getting a goaltender. And then – this offseason, I think, is where things really fall apart. Because then you start to see, like, well, they didn't try to add it last year's trade deadline, really. They didn't try to get better. And their a lot of their moves post-Eichel were kind of, eh, moves. And they're just kind of waiting. It started to see, like, well, he's just waiting for all these prospects to get here, which is not really ever a good way to run your team in the NHL. You should They should be supplemental when they get here. But anyway, this offseason, the main thing he did was nothing. The next most prominent things he did was add two terrible defensemen, one of whom used to be good, but uh, clearly is old now and is here for a leadership position, but just can't play. He just, that was a bad gamble. The other one has just been stunningly bad and to a degree that I don't really understand. Did not add to the forward group, uh, re-signed a bunch of guys to the point where they seem to have too many forwards, but he brought back Jost, Oposo, and Gergensons, which is kind of ridiculous in hindsight. And didn't do anything goaltending wise so that Levi had to start the season as the one a. So <laughs> now, especially going through what was an incredibly disappointing start to the season that really has never fully turned around in any way. It's become increasingly clear that he doesn't know how to adjust to this plan. And now it doesn't, that makes it seem like, well, the plan's got to change. And then who knows what the plan really is. I mean, these things have to be, you have to be malleable, I guess, on these things. You can't just be like, well, this is the plan. And then, uh Oh, Oh shit. We're not as good as I thought because that's it's not really the way it works now i think if you're looking at this idea of what we one of his signature things in these past couple of years when he has been doing something is paying guys a lot of money who haven't been here that long because he thinks he'll earn they'll earn that contract eventually which is not a stupid way to do things but it's a risky way to do things and if you keep doing that for everyone uh it's it's dangerous they've now done it for power and samuelson and i kind of wonder what happens next with quinn paterka and then eventually you'll see like guys like kulik savoy Osland, Rosen, whoever else gets up here. Uh, so that's my main thought. That's that's what I've been uh, bamboozled by. Couldn't have said it better myself. That I think completely covers how I feel about Adams, and I think I'm uh, covers exactly how a lot of Sabres fans feel about Adams and just the inaction that has really been the hallmark of the past couple of years now i mean we talked about it a few weeks ago just in that what has been his best acquisition like the best piece that he has gone out and traded for not you know as we're talking about the big moves like the wrist line and an eichel and reinhardt deals where you're you're selling somebody off that you went out and got and there is really nobody of substance that you can look at and say wow yeah you know what he knocked it out of the part with that. That was great, whether it was in the form of 
the the cost that he ended up giving up or whether it was something like what they thought they were going to do with Clifton, which is you get a guy who is maybe playing to uh, with a lesser role and he's able to step in and really come into his own in a more enhanced role with your team. There hasn't been any of that. And so I, I think that that was absolutely well said. And I think that that's something that a lot of people would agree with uh, <laughs> for mine. Mine is about Casey Middlestat, actually, because I felt like coming into this season that it was a no-brainer that Middlestat had rightfully earned himself another year with the Sabres, but I really didn't feel as though his position within the franchise for the future was really cemented in any way, shape, or form. And I think, not that I'm here to say that I 100% believe that they need to lock him up no matter what the cost or anything like that. But I think what my mind has changed about is the fact that I'm much, much more open and much, much more conscious of getting a proper return. Should you move on from him because of the fact that he has been fantastic for them this year, I think he is, you know, relative to his role and really just the team's performance in general, I think he's exceeded expectations in just about every way. Uh, you know, to date so far this year, he's played in 49 games. He's has 42 points, seemingly is going to shatter his his career high in points, which is 59. He's about to pass his career high in goals too, which was 15. He's already at 12 right now. He's got 42 points in 49 games. He put up 59 points in 82 games last year. The, the play has been improved just about in every single sense taylor i mean you look at his play on five on five his play in his own zone you know at even strength this year he has 36 even strength points that's only six points on the power play for him this year so the way that he's turned into a contributor on five on five the way that he has definitely i feel like noticeably cleaned up his game in the in his own zone he's one of the sabers i feel like only consistent threats in the neutral zone in terms of just confidently skating with the puck on his stick and being able to create actual zone entries and opportunities off of that it's just from top to bottom he has been their best forward this year and so because of that I feel like I increasingly more and more have kind of backed off the the willingness or openness to trading him. Now, that's all not to say that I wouldn't still make a move if the price was right and you were able to get something significant in return because you got to consider here with how good he's been trading him unless it's for another forward as part of like a bigger package, which I'm sign me up for if you're going to like trade up and go after somebody who's really, really good and this is a part of a package or whatever um then then sign me up but you have to consider though if that's not the case and say you're trading him for somebody on the blue line that opens up a big hole in the forward group and i don't think that that can really be overlooked so for me like i'm i'm definitely not opposed to it if you can go out and get a forward like i said you're trading middle set as part of a package to go and get somebody who's a, a big fish or if you are trading him for somebody who's a really really good young defenseman like we had talked about it I, I believe a week or two ago the idea of going after like David Urasek from Columbus I think you can go and get him independent of having to include middle stat but somebody I guess like who's a bit more established I would be in favor of of making that move for but again it, it would have to be something that's just like wow you know this is a move you just have to make 
because ultimately I do feel as though <laughs> with how this season has gone, there are very few, if any guys whose names shouldn't be considered for deals, like with just how, how bad it is. Like, I think just to some degree, something needs to happen here. All of that being said though, with how well Middlestead has played, how much his game has grown, how much his skating has improved. And I, rather than even improved, I should say, I feel like how much more consistent he's gotten with his skating. Um, these are all things that I think, you know, kind of show you that the the player that we have right now, the guy who we're watching this year, the guy who we are seeing down the, the home stretch of last year, this is who he is now. You know, it's a, it's a non-traditional development path that Middlestad's been on, but I think that the guy that we're seeing is like Casey Middlestad arriving. And so unless it's something like I said, that I feel very strongly about that you are getting the best player in a deal or you're getting the better player, then I, I think it's worth hanging on to him. Draft picks aren't an option anymore. Like prospects, unless it's something ridiculous, like that's not really an option very much anymore in terms of these kind of deals for these established players. I, I don't want to do that. The team needs to try and take a step forward and figure this out. And again, as much as it maybe sucks to hear or is frustrating or annoying, or you don't want to believe it. I just, I have such a hard time thinking that all of these guys who are regressing to the degree that they are like, this is what they're resigned to for the rest of their careers. Like it, it's just been a shitty, bad, unlucky year, but I, I want to believe that under the right leadership, under the right coaching staff, and maybe with a, a couple of tweaks to the lineup here or there, that this still is a team that has all of the makings of what we thought they were going to be this year, which is a legitimate playoff team. So Casey Middlestat. Yeah, that's mine. What are your thoughts? It's a good point. I think Middlestat falls into a very small group this year of guys who are better than you thought they were, or guys who are having a better season than you expected. So that would just be him, Paterka, UPL, and maybe Ryan Johnson. Yeah. No one else really falls into that group right now. So, yeah, I, re I really like how you laid it out because I think he's a good candidate for a contract extension in a vacuum, but it makes it tough considering the situation. They have so many forwards, somebody got so much money committed to forwards, uh, a lot of money committed to a lot of guys, even though they're not a good team at the moment. That makes it all difficult. But yeah, I, I would not in any circumstance, under any circumstance, want to trade him for picks and prospects. I don't really want to lose him for nothing in two years or whatever. Uh, he might be having too good of a season for a bridge. But yeah, I, I suppose if you're going to bring in someone big, whether it's a forward or defenseman, or probably not a goalie, but maybe a goalie, probably not though at this point, uh, that you maybe want to use Middlestead as part of the package, I think that'd be a lot attractive for a lot of teams. So yeah, I, I love how Casey's been this year. I hope he's I hope he sticks around though. I'd say as a fan, I love his development and I hope he's a saver for a while longer. Well said. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that whole situation is going to play out and really how the, the trade deadline in general is going to play out, how the stuff coming off season is going to, because we said it before, but if the seat isn't smoking hot right now, this off season, it sure, it sure as hell is going to be. And so it makes it all the more imperative that the Sabres are just putting all their, their chips forward here and that they're going to go out there and try and make this happen rather than just sitting back on development and hoping that everything is going to work out. You have the assets to do it. Now's the time to do it. And again, to the point that I made before with the forward group, I mean, when we're talking about like creating a whole, it's a pretty big one with how good Middlestad has been this year. But conceivably though, like your long-term, we've made this point so many times that, 
really for the next like three years, you kind of know, barring one of those big moves like we're talking about, what eight of the nine top nine forward spots are going to look like for you. You have mm-hmm. your first line intact. Skinner, I, again, it'll be hard to move that contract, but he's going to be here through the entirety of it. So you have him, Tage, and Tuck. You have Quinn, Paterka, Cousins, and you have Middlestat, Benson. And who's that third one? There's about four first-rounders right now, five coming up who are going to all be vying for that spot. That could potentially be a route or... You use them as currency and you go out and get somebody established to fill into that spot and give yourself a rock solid top nine forward group. It's just, they're, it's just sitting there right in front of them. This is a luxury that not many other teams have. And Kevin Adams quite literally cannot afford to let this pass by. And what's crazy about all of this is that we're talking about all of this, just, you know, with regards to like this season, where the team is at right now, the state of the franchise, all of that. This is not even bringing up the fact that you are, in the midst of the longest playoff drought in the history of the sport and are just continuously embarrassing yourself over and over and over again with each passing year that you don't get over the hump and make it. So show the sense of urgency, do what you have to do, give up something to get something in return. You got to give up value to get it back. Go do something here. It's just, it's inexcusable at this point. It's like, Casey and the Sunshine Band once said, give it up, baby. Give it up. I can't think of a better way to end the episode than that, Taylor. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Uh, Nope. Great. All right. Any recommendations? Um, You know, I would actually like to amend a recommendation in that I'm putting on the shelf for a second. If you haven't started watching True Detective Season 4 yet, I'm going to put a pause on that recommendation. No way. That bad, and huh? We'll revisit it by the end of the season. What's so going not bad on? enough to fully rescind, but I'm going to put a pause on it and say, eh, maybe don't start it. I'll let you know what I think at the end. Is there, what's, what's our reasoning for this? It's just nothing special. It really is not like the other. I mean, I didn't like true detective season two, but it had the vibes of true detective. Uh, and it was interesting, I guess. I wouldn't recommend that either though. But the first and third seasons were so intricate and such great acting, such great characters. And this is just really all over the place. At oh, the God. So I guess we'll see. It's Who knows? It could come back. There's It's only been three episodes, so I suppose we'll see. I, don't, I do like Jodie Foster's performance. It's just the writing really isn't there? Yeah, not quite. I don't know. I think maybe Nick Pizzolatto should have been more involved. I don't know. Maybe he didn't want to be, but... Mm. His show, you know what I'm actually struck by, though? Considering it's an anthology series, and the only thing that's holding the first three seasons together is the guy that created it, uh, why is this even called True Detective Night Country? Why isn't it just called Night Country? Why isn't it just its own thing? What makes it True Detective? I mean, there's some... some they keep trying I, to I revive some it. people right now that are into it. Some Reddit conspiracy theory people are. There are some things that tie these together. Maybe they'll, they'll become more apparent. What, that are like all exists in the same universe or something? Yeah interesting yeah the, the, the one thing is that rust cole from season one mcconaughey's character allegedly mentioned his dad living in alaska and this one character might be his dad really yeah not super meaningful but i guess we'll find out all right i guess we will well, i'll give an actual recommendation then i'll do a music one uh sam cook's live album sam cook at the copa check it out i am a pretty firm believer that Sam Cooke is like the best male vocalist ever. 
Um, and this live album just absolutely supports that thought. Highly, highly recommend just throw it on in the background whenever you're, if you're driving, whatever it may be, but Sam cook live at the Copa, check it out. That is my recommendation to kick off your Monday. With that being said, everybody, that will do it for another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows across both networks. And make sure you're following both the Charging Buffalo and the Hockey Podcast Network on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. And before you close out of this app, whatever you're using to listen to this episode of Straight Up Sabres, make sure you are either following or subscribe to us and we would very much appreciate it if you would leave us a rating or a review. Last but not least, we have our wonderful sponsors, folks. We love it so much. The one and only DraftKings Sportsbook. Use that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday, everybody. Thank you all so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabres. Sitting on the bedroom floor.